Hello, and welcome to Artfully Told, where we share true stories about meaningful encounters with art. I think artists help people have different perspectives on every aspect of life. All I can do is put my part out into the world. It doesn't have to be perfect the first time. It doesn't have to be perfect ever, really. I mean, as long as you, you're enjoying doing it and you're trying your best, that can be good enough. Art is something that you can experience with your senses and that you just experience as, as so beautiful. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Artfully Told. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I am delighted to have as my guest today, Gloria Grace Rand. She is an author, speaker, and podcast host, and has a really rich background, and I'm just so excited to hear more about what she's doing now and how she got her start and all those good things. So thank you so much for being here today, Gloria. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much, Lindsay. I am so excited to to delve into this today. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to our discussion. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's so much fun to talk about art if you're an art lover. So <laughs> I would love if you would just mind sharing a little bit about your background and maybe sort of how you got into the various art forms that you do. And yeah, maybe what you're up to now too. I would love to. And, and yeah, the arts have always been a part of my life. I mean, starting from, let's see, five years old when I started taking dance lessons. Uh, so I did tap, ballet, and jazz for, for years. And in fact, the ballet part, even as an adult, so because I loved it so much, even though that's not what I did professionally. I wish I could have, but I was never quite, did not exactly have that dancer's body, but it was so much fun to do. And the other part that has been a big part of my life has been music. I was in the band in school. Actually, the first instrument I ever learned how to play was the organ. We had a, we had a Hammond organ in our house growing up, and my dad played it, and I learned how to play, and then learned how to play the guitar. And then in school, it was, I started out playing flute in junior high and then switched to saxophone in high school because we had too many flute players. So I, I enjoyed that tremendously. And, and the other part of myself, I guess, that has been a big part has been writing. As you mentioned, I am an author. I recently published my first book, but writing has always been a part of what I've been doing. I mean, I was a pen pal when I was a kid and then I, wound up actually majoring in mass communications in college and got involved in television. I was involved in television production. I worked for a long time for the nightly business report when it was on public television. And I started off my first uh, job with them was what was called a character generator operator. And so I was typing up the, the words that would be go on to the screen as well as helping making some of the graphics that we would use for the, the program. And then I eventually became a writer for the show and a, and a producer. And so I did that for a long time, loved working in television. And then we were living in Miami at the time, I moved up to Orlando and I had to find something else to do. And I wound up investing in a course to do SEO copywriting. So I was writing, learn how to write content for websites and, and to help them get found, write, figure out the right keywords that would help you get found on Google and then incorporate them in a way that actually makes sense on a website to be able to get people to take action and, and buy someone's products and services. And I've been doing that for the last 10 plus years and have really enjoyed that as well. And at the same time, over the last few years, I've been on a spiritual journey that happened when my sister was diagnosed with cancer. And 
it culminated in the writing of this book. I've been doing a podcast and it's just like all of it has just been this really cool journey and it's just involved me finding ways to be out there, you know, just being expressing myself. I actually just created a new tagline for my business. I call it messages from the heart because that's that's pretty much what I'm doing through a lot of different modalities and it's a lot of fun. And we'll probably talk about some more of that in a little bit. But that's that's the not really short version, but <laughs> but a little version about where I am right now. Perfect. Of course I'd love to delve more into all of the different things, but so I'm curious, are you still participating in music now? Are you still actively playing any of those instruments or anything like that? It's you know, funny you should mention that. And I should mention the other part is singing has also been a big part of my, my life as well. But last year during during the pandemic, and I'm not even really sure what what was it that, that prompted it, but I pulled my guitar out of my closet, which I haven't touched in about 10 years, and and, and realized it was like, I, I miss music. I hadn't been doing anything with it. And so I got the guitar out and I started playing it again. And it, that was a lot of fun. And I also started, which I haven't done since, let's see, probably seven years old, was the last time is I actually wrote a couple of songs, which just sort of blew my mind that the this was coming to me, this, this new way of uh, being creative. And it was exciting. And I also started playing the organ again. So I've kind of played it off and on, but not consistently. But I realized that it's like, I should do this because it brings me joy. <laughs> and I think that that was mostly it. In fact, that that is why I started playing the guitar again, because I, I was working with the coach and she's like, well, what, what brings you joy? And I'm like, well, music. And it's like, yeah, wait a minute, I've got a guitar. I need to start playing music again. Cause you know, last year was such a weird year and it's still a bit continuing that way. And it's so important to do the things that you love to do. And so, yeah, I started doing that and it was great. And, and like I mentioned, singing has been something that I've always enjoyed doing as well. I used to be in church choirs for, for a long time and, and really enjoyed doing that. And, and so I've, so again, this like writing songs is kind of getting back into me being able to sing again, which has been really a lot of fun. My favorite part about Girl Scout camp was singing around the campfire, just to give you an indication <laughs> of me and music. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> of course. That's fantastic. So I'm curious, do you own an organ or do you have to go somewhere to play one? No, I actually do have, it's it's really old now. It was a secondhand one that I bought from a, a co-worker back when I was working at the Nightly Business Report. So this, this, this instrument is, oh my gosh, it must be 30 years old now for sure. The pedals don't work that great, but it still works. I bought a keyboard once before I got this organ and you know, a nice electronic keyboard, but it, it just wasn't the same, especially because those keyboards are typically, you play it, it's more like a piano. And I grew up with two keyboards, <laughs> you know, so it's like in the upper register or the lower register and pedals. And I just prefer playing that way. So when a coworker was uh, moving and she was offering this organ for sale, I'm like, I'll take it, I'll buy it. <laughs> and, and just to be able to have that experience again of sitting down on a bench and, and just playing that way. Because I, I grew up playing chords with my left hand as opposed to that 
I, I can play the intricate left hand like you would do on a piano, but I don't know, chords are easier for me. <laughs> I like it better. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I'm so impressed with musicians. Of course, that is already just so much work and dedication that you put into it. But I feel like organ is just another level of coordination that I just don't know how you do all the, the different things and, and it sounds so good. Like how, how, how do you learn to layer the use of your foot and then you have both registers and all that stuff? Like that's just amazing to me. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but I guess it helped that I started young. <laughs> I think I was seven years old when I started um, taking lessons to do it. And it just always seemed natural to me. Whereas like playing the piano, I can't understand how people play the piano because that just I'm in awe of people who can play the piano because especially with using the left hand and, and just making this intricate music, I'm like, oh, wow, you're just like, oh. <laughs> so, so I can relate in that way to how you feel because I, the organ to me is easier and fun, whereas the piano seems much more challenging. <laughs> what is the hardest instrument that you've learned how to play, do you think? Actually, the flute. The flute was my nemesis because our band director used to say, needs work on her embouchure. And to be able to get your your mouth just right, to be able to get that clear tone, I, I was okay but I found the saxophone much easier to play. It was something that the reed instead was easier. And I, I was much better playing the saxophone than I was with the flute. So, yeah. Although I will say the the guitar, I'm still not great at doing like super sophisticated chords because it, it is hard to press, you know, to get your fingers, especially like I don't have the biggest hands, I think, and maybe that's part of it. So it's hard to be able to necessarily like press all of those strings down, especially like your pinky finger, to be able to get that coordinated and, and with enough uh, strength to press down. But, you know, I can do C, G, D7, D, D chords, those basic chords. I can play a lot of good John Denver songs. Let's put it that way. Fair enough. I love it. That's hilarious. Well, that's really cool. I'm glad that you were able to pick it back up and that it does still bring you joy. I think that's that's so special. It is so important to find those things and to engage in them because it is a crazy world and we all need those outlets. And so yeah, I'm absolutely. so glad to hear that you're still doing it. That's That's wonderful. Well, and obviously you've also had quite the illustrious career as a writer and, you know, now starting off by writing for other people and now obviously you know, writing your own book and such. But so I'm curious how that journey kind of evolved for you. I mean, was it was it something that you just sort of naturally kind of fell into? Was it challenging at the beginning, learning like each different type of writing? Because you've done several different styles, it sounds like. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. It has been interesting. And when, I, like I said, when I was a kid, I loved writing uh, in school, you know, English was like one of my favorite subjects, and and I and I enjoyed writing, even I don't know, maybe writing stories or, or things. But when I switched my major, because I was originally majoring in business and doing very badly, uh, so eventually I, I switched to mass communications. And getting into learning how to write business news was, I think, it, what was advantageous for me was that I worked my way up in 
in the um, organization so that, like I said, I started off more of the graphic side of it. And then eventually my, my next job, I became the uh, associate producer for stocks. So I was working with one of the anchors of the program. His name is Paul Kangas. And he would, he would talk about the stock market. That was his forte talk about, you know, what happened on the New York Stock Exchange and the American Stock Exchange. And so I, I would gather, figure out what were the best, biggest, bigger losers and, and gainers of that day. And, and just being around the other people, I would start picking up, even though I'd had, you know, I studied it, some journalism in, in school, it really helped being sort of on the job and getting that on the job training of, of learning from the other writers there were there and the other producers and it it's all about being able to be very concise and get your message across quickly because a lot of the stories would be like 30 second stories or that you would have to write and and it was great because they they allowed me to to start off with writing small parts of the show there we would do like a local segment for florida stocks and so i started writing some of those stories and and then eventually got to write for the program itself so it was great being able to have training and and have people encouraging me along the way in order to do that. And then it was interesting before I started my copywriting career, I was actually doing a lot of part-time volunteer work for my kids' schools. I started writing press releases for them and I was working on their newsletter, the school newsletter, and writing articles for that and when I started doing the copywriting, it was like, oh, the stuff I was doing for the school was actually the same type of writing. I could actually get paid for that. It didn't even didn't even dawn on me at the time that that was a a career. I was just trying to help out, you know. And I I worked for a TV station, so it was like, sure, I can I can do this stuff too. I can figure out how to write a press release and, and send it to our local newspaper and things like that. So it's just been this this way of evolving. That then when I started learning how to do copywriting, it it wasn't that far removed from what I was already doing because the same principles hold. You've got to grab somebody's attention really quickly. You've got to get to the point on a website, just like you would do writing for someone who's listening, you know, watching a television show. So it's been interesting how everything is sort of built on it, I guess. You know, each thing that I did, I sort of picked up a new skill and was able to keep evolving from it. And, and just being able to in doing my business, I, I started a blog, so I started writing a lot of articles for that, and I think that also then helped in being able to really start writing a longer form and to actually write a book. Although that that book process took me a lot longer than I thought, and I, as I said, I'm very spiritually minded, and I got a lot of help in writing this book because I do not take all the credit for it because I was I was like asking for inspiration a lot to be able to get it. In fact, even the idea for the book itself came during a meditation one morning, and this voice in my head said, "You should write a book about love." And I'm like, I do marketing. What do you, where is this coming from? <laughs> this makes no sense to me. But as is often the case, the reason I had to write a book about love was because I had to learn how to love myself. And that's what I was able to do in the process of writing that book. So it was, wow. yeah, it was not the easiest process, but one that was definitely very worthwhile. And um, I'm glad 
glad I got through it. It's very nice to be able to actually have the book in my hands now. It was such a, a dream for so long and to be able to like, wow, it's really there. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I can only imagine how thrilling it is when you're just, you're like, finally, I have this like actual physical copy of this labor of love that I've been working on forever. That's, yeah. that's, that's a good moment. <laughs> well, you mentioned, you know, having the inspiration sort of coming from, or at least part of the inspiration coming from, you know, your sister's battle with cancer. Do you mind sharing more about sort of how that impacted your work? Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was a big part of it. Yeah. At, and in fact, the idea for the book came about two months before she transitioned. It was the end of 2016. And like I said, I know now it was, it was, the reason was because I needed to, to learn that. She was my older sister. She was 10 years older than me and lived out in Arizona. I live in Florida. So I was going out there as often as I could to be with her during that battle that she was engaged in. And, you know, initially I grieved a lot when she was gone because she was, she was like my cheerleader. You know, she was the person who was always uh, encouraging me in my business and always telling me, you know, you're doing a good job. And, and I really missed that when she was gone. But now with, you know, some time and, and going through writing the book, I can really look back on number one, looking back on the time that we got to spend together was great despite everything, because we, really got to connect in a way that we hadn't that much because of this 10 year difference. We had, we had really two different childhoods. So we would spend, you know, a lot of times comparing notes <laughs> on how we, and, and just, we were able to put together some good memories. I, I actually write about one of the things in the book one time was, this was the year before she passed. I was out there before Christmas and we decided to make Christmas cookies and we made the, the kind that she always loved, which I, which I love too. So it's basically a, a sugar cookie. And so I'm, I'm, you know, made the batter and I'm rolling out the dough and I'm flattening the cookies. And she's like, you know, you're not flattening them enough. They need to be flatter. And I'm like, okay, fine. You know, press them down a little bit more and then put them in the oven. And wasn't it, it was just so annoying that she was right. <laughs> Like they really did turn out better, you know? So, but it's like, we were able to do things like that. And, and that's like a memory that I hold with me, you know, now forever, because it was, it was a lot of fun. And, and, you know, and of course she was, you know, being her big sister ways and just saying how, you know, she was right and I was wrong and it's okay. But, but it's also, again, in, in writing the book, I incorporated some of the things that she went through as well as I did. We had not the greatest of childhoods. My dad was an alcoholic and, and my mom had a bit of a temper. And so it wasn't, it wasn't easy for either one of us. And, and it affected both of us really in, in, in our business, in fact, because we, we sort of had doubts about ourselves and and our self-esteem and and even when I was writing the book I was I was working on one section that the V in love actually stands for value your uniqueness and I realized as I'm, I'm trying to get this book done trying to get it to the publisher because I wanted to have it uh, published by February because that was when my sister's birthday was and I thought February 21st would be perfect so I'm trying to get this book done and I'm like, geez, I didn't write much on this section. Hmm, probably because I need to work <laughs> on this a little bit more. I'm not valuing my own uniqueness a bit. But 
anyway, for whatever reason, I, I was drawn to start looking through some of her, her notebooks and I was trying to check a date or something and I came across uh, a section that she had written about where she was talking about, you know, struggling that of her self-worth and, and why she wasn't even able to fight the cancer because, you know, thinking that like she wasn't worthy to be able to survive this. And, you know, and it was like, you know, my heart, you know, felt for her. And at the same time, it was also a good reminder that it was like, I needed to know to see how she was experiencing this and, and to be able to even share that in the book for others who, you know, may be suffering from self-doubt and, and, and not valuing their own worthiness. And so, she's still around helping me. I guess the point I want to make here is that even though she's not not here physically, I still feel her presence and in, in her directing me and helping me out and being the big sister, you know, and really, and really still still helping me from beyond, which is which is quite remarkable. Yeah. And that's so special to have gotten to share those memories. Of course, I mean, mm-hmm. and and then be able to to use them to help not only inspire yourself and and value yourself and learn all that, but to then share that with others. That's, that's a really powerful story. So thank you for sharing about that. And then I know you now have a podcast as well. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that and maybe what you chat about on it? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Yeah, it's called Live, Love, Engage, which is actually the same name as my book. And I, I started it about a little over a year ago as a way to help me frankly, write the book. I was thinking that I, I would be able to do some episodes where I could kind of talk about some of the things I was writing about to, to really help me to crystallize it. And I had done a podcast about five years earlier. And at that time, it was all about online marketing. And so I didn't want to really lose that, but I wanted to put something more into it. So the way I describe it is it's it's practical advice from a spiritual perspective to help entrepreneurs to create more impact, influence, and income. And what the Live, Love, Engage is about is being able to live fully, love deeply, and engage authentically. And so this time around, instead of doing it five days a week, which is what I was doing before, which was insane. And I burnt myself out. But this time I'm doing interviews in addition to doing my own solo episodes. And so I do at least one interview a week, sometimes, especially during the height of the pandemic last year, I was even doing a couple a week. Or yeah, I was doing like about two, two interviews a week. And it's been so wonderful to be able to talk with so many different people and to be able to get their perspective. I've, I've talked with a lot of either authors and coaches and, and other, other marketing folk too, because I also do, you know, again, offer practical advice on how to grow your business. But a lot of times I'm also talking with people who deal with uh, mindset issues. Because the one thing I've learned in, in being in business for myself, as opposed to when I was an employee, is that and even dealing with some of my other clients is that you can have all the best tools. You can have a social media presence, you know, all over the place. But if you have a mindset that you're really not worthy to be successful or that, you know, you've got some types of limiting beliefs around money that maybe you're not meant to have a lot of money, then you're not going to be successful in business 
even though you might have the, the best website and you've got a team, even it's having a team of people maybe working for you, you're still going to be butting up against a wall because it's really what you think and believe about yourself that is going to have a big impact in how you actually can succeed in, in business as well as in life for that matter too. Perfect. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. And so I'm, I'm curious for our listeners who would like to maybe purchase your book, find out more about your podcast or kind of follow your work. Is there a way for them to do that? Absolutely. You can go to my website, GloriaRand.com and you'll be able to see, I've got the, actually you can see the link to my podcast is there. Of course it's on iTunes and, and all those lovely podcast platforms and everywhere, but I do have it on my website. There's a tab that'll take you to the podcast as well as a link to take you to uh, my book. Although you can also go to live, love, engage book.com and you can order it there. And it's, although it is available on Amazon as well as on uh, barnesandnoble.com as well, but yeah. And then I'm on, I'm on social media. So as I said, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and all those, all those fun places. If you look for, Gloria Grace Rand, you'll be able to connect with me there as well. Perfect. Thank you. Well, I always ask my guests the same three questions, and I'd love to do that with you if that's okay. So first of all, how do you personally define art or what is art to you? Ooh, let's see. Art, art to me is expression. And it because it can have so many different forms. And, and I think it is, it's a way of expressing who you are, what your thoughts and beliefs are. And it's a way of being able to just communicate you through whatever different modality you find, whether that's writing, whether it's music, whether it's actual painting and, and, and drawing, because there's so many different ways to be able to express. So yeah, I think I think that's what it is. It's a way of being able to express express yourself out, out there in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And then what do you think is the most important role of an artist? Well, the most important role, I think it's just being true to who you are and to trust yourself to be able to communicate whatever it is that you want to communicate. Because if you're going about doing something in the arts to please someone else, it's not really ultimately going to be successful. I think you've got to be able to do whatever it is from your heart to really be able to please yourself. And it may not please everybody and that's okay. But as long as you are conveying what you want to convey from your heart, then it is going to touch someone else's heart. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And then my final question, and I'll define my terms a little bit, but do you think that art should be inclusive or exclusive? And by inclusive, I'm referring to an artist who puts the work out there and provides some context behind it, whether it's program notes or titles or the inspiration that went in behind it, versus exclusive, referring to an artist who puts their work out there and doesn't provide the context. So it's left entirely up to the viewer to interpret it the way that they will. I think I think it's a both and because I think it just depends on how you want to put it out there in the world. Because I, I know that there are some people who will do art, especially I think, and maybe this is more even with painters in particular, who, who do 
want to just let people interpret it. But there's certainly nothing wrong with it being inclusive either and being able to you know, give people maybe some guidance what it should be. That's an interesting question. I can see justifications for both. So yeah, I think it's up to the artist to decide uh, ultimately because they're the ones who are creating the art. And if they want to provide guidance, that's their prerogative. And if they want to just leave it up to whoever to be able to make their own judgment, that's, that's their prerogative as well. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Well, first of all, thank you so very much for being here today, Gloria. I really appreciate your time and your stories and sharing with us your inspiration and all the cool ways that you have interacted with art over the years. And I'm really excited to continue to follow your journey and congratulations on the book. That's so exciting. And also the podcast, of course, as well. But I know I know it's just such a big deal when you can see that copy of the book in your hand. So congratulations on all of that. And again, thank you for your time today and and your inspiration that you're sharing with everyone. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And and I I love what you're doing for this podcast, because I think it is great to be able to let people know a little bit more about art. So, So I applaud you for what you're doing. So thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you to everyone who has listened to this episode. And if you're feeling as inspired as I am, I would love if you would share this with a friend or two. And we will catch you next time. If you have a story to share with us, we would love that so much. And I hope your day has been Artfully Told. Hey, Artfully Told listeners, Lindsay here, and I just want to share with you a little bit more about the Speak Easy method. Now, if you've had a chance to listen to Greg Gonzalez's interview on Artfully Told, you're already a little familiar with the process that is so unique and so cool. That is the speakeasy method it is for people who are ready to write their books, but maybe aren't super confident about their own writing ability or just want a more streamlined way of doing it. Greg and his team at speakeasy are experts at these amazing questions that help your authentic voice to shine through. So what they do is they go through recorded audio interviews with you, and these recordings are then transcribed and put into manuscript format, ready to go. So what's cool about that is instead of months and months or years and years of you writing a book they will actually take you from concept to published, and it can be as little as nine months. That is one of the most recent success stories that they have accomplished, and it is just a really innovative method that I am personally so excited to help represent and help share the word about because what Greg and his team do, are doing is absolutely life-changing for perspective authors. And I highly encourage you to book a discovery call with Greg or another member of his team to learn more and see if this could be the perfect fit for you. It's 100% complimentary and you can do so easily by going to his website and that's www.joyfulliving.com slash speakeasy. And again, that spelled out is J 
O Y dash F U L living dot com slash speakeasy.